everyone, and welcome back to the Magic Gaming Podcast. Uh, this is episode number two of 2021, and as always, I'm joined by the head coach of Magic Gaming, Jonah Edwards, and today we have a special guest, and it's one of the team's newest players, Jackson Potts, who was uh, selected by the Magic 45th overall in the 2021 NBA 2K League Draft. Uh, thanks to both of you for joining today. Pats, uh, I'll start with you. Uh, how exciting was it to hear your name called on draft night, and how do you feel you'll fit in with this team? Oh, it, it was it was super thrilling um, to hear my. So to be completely honest, I didn't get to hear the them call my name live. I'd gotten the phone call from Jonah, and I was sprinting around calling my parents and telling them what was going on. So I did miss it live. I didn't get a chance to hear them call my name, but I went back and watched it. And it's you know, it gave me goosebumps. This is this is where I wanted to go. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the season. And uh, to be completely honest, I think I'm going to fit in great with the guys, both on and off the court. They're some of my good friends, and I think they're great 2K players. So this should be a smooth transition for me. Jonah, I know we talked about it in the last podcast, but what about Potts impresses you, and how do you feel he can be implemented into this lineup? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, Josh, like two or three weeks before the draft, like obviously we, we had watched Potts and, and known Potts. He was with the Nets last year and, and plays with, with KMT a lot in the offseason and a couple other teams. And I'd seen a lot of his gameplay, but, you know, maybe three weeks before the draft, we, we really weren't heavily considering him. Um, I think we thought other teams, especially the Warriors, were, were going to pick him. And obviously we had heard word that they maybe weren't. And so we kind of reevaluated some things. And I interviewed him. And to be honest, Josh was one of the better interviews I've, I've had in the league. And um, that kind of stood him out in my mind. And he, he, he continued to kind of try to go above and beyond, send me extra materials. He even went in and, you know, did a film breakdown and sent it to me. And and, uh, you know, regardless of how, how good or not the things were, like, you know, it just is at the end of the day, it's the, the extra effort he's putting in. And the fact that, you know, I, I just don't have to doubt his character and his ability, um, you know, to be a, to be a great teammate and, and to understand and buy into his specific role. So um, those were the, the main reasons we got him. And, you know, obviously anytime you can grab a, a smart guy who's going to fit in with the team, I think it is always a good opportunity to do so. Last podcast, we had Snubby on, and he was talking about how his playoff experience is going to help him as he starts this new journey with his new team. Uh, Upots, as Jonah mentioned, was with Nets GC last year and actually played against Snubby's Hornets uh, in the postseason. Uh, do you feel like having that playoff run experience will help you as you start this new chapter in your NBA 2K League career? Yeah, absolutely. I think what I dealt with last year was a lot of adversity. And I think I learned how to overcome it and work as a team and kind of do things that people probably didn't think we could do. We weren't a team that people thought had a chance to make the playoffs. We weren't a team that a lot of people took seriously. Um, and we fought through a lot of off-court stuff. But I think me going through all the stuff that I went through last year can really help the team because I can bring a different mindset, a different point of view, I guess. And, and Snubby's the same way. Snubby also went through a lot of stuff, and, and they also made the playoffs last year. So – we're two guys who uh, have made the playoffs before, so we can kind of uh, guide our teammates and help them get through some of the stuff that we had to go through. Jonah, in the offseason, when you're scouting players and figuring out the architectural aspects of the team, uh, what are some of the key qualities you look for? Obviously, by retaining three players from last year's team, I'm assuming you're looking for players who can gel with them but what's sort of the criteria that you use when judging talent? 
Yeah, that's that's not always the easiest question to answer. Um, you know, I will say that first of all, like if you're a prospect and you're winning in events, it doesn't matter what position you are. Obviously, you're you're someone who's bought into a role. So, you know, obviously, winning is is huge. Um, people would be surprised how much impact even things like Twitter and, and clearly your mentality, your comms in game, you know, how you're interacting with teammates. I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm checking your Twitter feeds. I'm making sure you're doing and saying the right things and all that stuff totally matters. But um, to give kind of a specific example, you know, we were looking for a six man, obviously that was going to play either small forward or power forward. And so when I'm looking at power forwards, Josh, you know, we have may who's a really aggressive rebounder and, and once, once his power forward really to stay home, um, in the corner offensively, especially on the offensive glass, because he's a lot of times going to be the offensive rebounder. So there are lots of guys that are, have this, this very, you know, elite skill of like crashing from the corner. Um, that's not really something we are looking for though. So if that is like one of your strengths, it, it's not a knock on you. Of course, it's a strength of yours, but it may not fit into what we need. So we are looking at all kinds of elements like that to kind of, you know, that is, does that pair well? You know, obviously I'll name a guy um, who got selected, actually the Bucks uh, selected Big Perm, who I think is this incredible rebounding power forward and, and a great talent. But I just don't think he would fit in with the roster we have on a different team, a different situation. I think he could. And, and clearly Milwaukee thought he could as well there. So um, it's really all about fit and, and obviously culture fit and things like that. It matters, but more so I'm looking more at the game and how I think you'll fit, um, you know, in the NBA 2K atmosphere. Recently, the NBA 2K League held their second annual three-for-all showdown. Uh, the Magic Squad featured May, Future Clutch, and he was the other Magic 2021 draft pick, uh, as well as YouTuber Hank the Tank. Uh, they won their first round series against Nets GC before falling to Wizards District Gaming in round two. Uh, how, Jonah, did you feel the Magic's trio did in that tournament? Well, you know, I think we had high expectations, to be honest with you. Um, I think, you know, obviously May and May and Hank the Tank had played together in a park tournament um, several months ago and actually I think ended up winning that tournament. So we thought we could win. Obviously, um, Hank has, you know, in the last few months probably not played the game a ton and and ultimately we lost to the Wizards team with Fanta at point guard who, who actually won the tournament as the point guard last year and and uh, was with the Wizards and, and just awkward who's a pretty good player and in my opinion Fanta was probably the best guard in the tournament for for the uh, for the park gameplay so um, I don't think it's any any knock that they they lose to that team but obviously would have would have liked to see a better performance especially considering uh, we were able to make a, a pretty deep run last year and had high expectations but um, ultimately, you know, it's park and so much stuff that, you know, you can really mess up on one or two possessions and lose the game off it. Cause, uh, you know, teams force you to, to, to trade twos for twos the rest of the game. And that's basically what happened to us is a few mistakes early in the game. And, you know, it's just a game to 21, it's best of three. So it can, it can end quickly. Uh, so that, that's really what I would say. Potts, talk about your history playing NBA 2K. Uh, when did you start playing and when did you kind of realize that you had the skills to potentially be a pro at it. Yeah, so the first game I – the first NBA 2K I played was NBA 2K5 on PlayStation 2 with Ben Wallace on the cover. Uh, my dad always had the video games for me, and I, and I was always interested in them, and I always preferred the sports video games opposed to the Call of Duties or other types of video games there were. Um, but I, I didn't really take it serious until I was about a freshman in high school, so that was 2K14. I started playing it a little more, um, and by the end of high school, I felt like I was pretty good, and I felt like I could compete uh, competitively in pro-am, but I didn't have any interest necessarily in the NBA 2K League, or I, it, I guess I suppose it wasn't even a thing yet, but I had no interest in 
trying to make a career out of it or trying to monetize the fact that I was playing the game so much. Um, and then season one came out, or they announced NBA 2K League, and, and still, like, I had no interest in it. I was in college, and I was watching it, and I had friends who were in it, and I, and I tried my best uh, to, like, follow it and, and support it because I wanted it to succeed. Uh, and I got a chance to actually be on the practice squad for a couple practices for Cavs Legion season one. So I'm from Cleveland, the Cleveland area. Uh, and I got a chance to play against them. And I, you know, I, I felt like that they were really good players, but I didn't feel like they were that much better than me. I felt like if I put the time in, I could get to that level. And I felt like, um, you know, that, that might be something I wanted to do. So I, I went to my sophomore year of college and I decided to not pursue the 2K League again season two um, and, and follow it and stuff. And my parents – before my junior year of college, we're like, you know, you, you spend a lot of time talking about the NBA 2K League. Like, you watch the 2K League. Your friends are in the 2K League. I visited a tournament in Orlando, season two. It was the ticket. Um, and got to support some of my friends out there. And that was a really cool experience. Uh, and, you know, my parents are seeing me do all this stuff. And they're like, look, if, if you take a break from school and you really put the time in and focus on trying to get better, do you think you could, um, you know, play, play professionally, play for the NBA 2K League? And, I was like, to be completely honest, I do think I could, but it's 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 a huge risk. It's making the draft pool one is hard, and then getting drafted is, is the other part of it. So you have, there's a long process to go. I wasn't considered necessarily a competitive player heading into NBA 2K20, but I put a lot of time in, and I feel like I got a lot better. And, you know, obviously entering my second year in the league now, I definitely feel like it paid off. Now, something I don't think we've talked about on this podcast, Shona, is your NBA 2K background. You know, when did you first start playing the game and taking such a big interest in it? And how did coaching come about? You know, as many times as we've had this podcast, I'm not sure we've actually uh, dove into that. Yeah, you know, um, I've been playing 2K for a long time. Obviously, even back when I was I was younger, you know, 2K7, 2K8, you know, playing quick match, things like that. But I really started taking it seriously. 2K9, they, they came out with the team-up game mode where you basically controlled one player, you know, essentially how the, the 2K League operates and Pro-Am operates now. And and that's kind of when, you know, the competitive scene that, that we see now kind of started to form. Um, you know, I played in a number of, of tournaments growing up in, in 2K and, and also in Madden. Um, I used to travel and play Madden and, you know, was was good friends with a guy who's considered one of the probably top five Madden players of all time, Sirius Mo and and he actually played 2K with me as well, and we, we played a lot together. And, um, you know, I even knew guys like Hot Shot and, and Moody and, and others all the way back then, 2K9. So it's it's been a, an interesting grind. But really, you know, I, off and on for years I played, and uh, 2K14 came along, and, and uh, there was a tournament on game battles that was at the time the biggest tournament um, in, in 2K, uh, really history for for the team of game mode, which was a $3,000 tournament that, that I was able to win with um, the now head coach of Knicks gaming. Uh, let's ball up and, and Moody, who was obviously with Lakers gaming and, and, and Kingsguard before that as well. So um, we were able to win that tournament and kind of put our names on the map a little bit as, as kind of some of the better guys in the community. And obviously they went on to, to qualify for road to the all-star game and in, in 2k, uh, 2k 17. And that's really what, what kind of happened is the league, you know, was announced around that time. And, we all were well-known because of their run. Um, I wasn't even on the team. Luckily, I was able to kind of leverage their run because we were all such good friends and in the same circle. And, um, you know, I really just kind of posted on Twitter that I was open to being a coach in the league. And days later, I had an offer from the Mavericks, and it was like out of nowhere. Um, so it really kind of fell in my lap, Josh. I didn't even know at first of all I was going to take the coaching offer because I thought that I could play and I wanted to play initially. But um, I did know that I was one of the few guys that I thought was uniquely positioned. Um, you know, I was college educated. I was 
you know, ready to move. I was, you know, 20, 21, 22. I was more mature for my age and, and it just kind of fell in my lap. Um, you know, my, my dad coached my, my oldest brother, you know, in, in basketball and in, in middle school. And, and I, uh, was actually coached by my oldest brother, um, in high school. So, um, coaching does run in my family a bit. So it's something that I think, you know, kind of comes naturally to me and, and I just, I just jumped for it. I, you know, I didn't want to wait around and maybe not make it. The process was going to be strenuous and challenging. And, and I certainly did not want to be on the outside looking in while my, while my, all my cohorts were, were, you know, in these incredible positions. So um, at that time I decided to sign and, and move out to Dallas. Uh, you know, I literally dropped out of school, actually my senior year of high school, essentially, and, or, or college, sorry. And, um, uh, you know, I ended up finishing online uh, during the season, but at the time just dropped out and, mo- and moved to Dallas. Well, that's interesting. How much, uh, attention do you put on NBA coaches as far as learning from them? Like whether it's Steve Clifford or when you were in Dallas with Carlisle, as far as trying to learn what the best strategies are to manage players and obviously gameplay in and of itself. I mean, just learning the schemes, the tactics, things of that nature, you know, how much encouragement and advice do you get just by serving what NBA head coaches are doing? Sure. Yeah. You know, there are certainly guys I, I, um, follow especially just kind of the the coaching philosophies they believe in and and coach Kerr is one of them um Greg Popovich obviously is a legendary and and kind of hit the way he handles his players and and practice and their strategy and you know I would say it's it's far less tactics if there was someone I paid attention to most of their tactics it would have been um Mark D'Antoni in in Houston just because I think that they do they do so many quick hitters up the court that that's actually one of the few things that can actually translate to NBA 2K. Um, you know, there are just some things that don't, but um, I actually did get a chance to meet Coach Carlisle when I was in Dallas and, and chat with him, you know, semi-regularly about the team and have had the opportunity to, to meet Coach Clifford here in Orlando and, and chat with him briefly, um, you know, in a similar capacity. So those are all amazing resources and something, you know, we're still looking to build on. And, you know, every day I'm, I'm looking to kind of grow, to grow my ability and, and what, you know, my knowledge base as far as, you know, they have similar obstacles and challenges in the NBA where, you know, they're dealing with 19, 20, 21 year old kids that have maybe never really had a job. And of course they've been on teams because they were, you know, they're here, they, they played in college or high school and AAU and all those things. But, you know, the team's all been about them. They've been the best player and now they have to transition to being, you know, the seventh best player and being a role player and buying into a role. And, and all those things are a really difficult transition for these young kids. So certainly, uh, the universal universal challenges that both of us have and and things to learn from there both of you can touch on this pots I'll, I'll start with you but we hear from nba players and obviously coaches that watching film and studying technique is one of the most important elements to developing and being prepared how much is film a part of the routine when you're getting ready to play an opponent or even getting ready to start training camp yeah, specifically for me, uh, film is a massive part of my preparation when I'm preparing for a game. I personally am a huge fan of film. I try to get my teammates on the same wave, and I, I try to I like to break down film and show my teammates what I see as well in case they're not willing to watch. But with this group, it seems like we've got a group of guys who want to watch film and are willing to do what it takes to separate ourselves. I always say, or I always feel like, if you can gain a few possessions back by watching film, it was an incredibly successful film session. And in a long game, you might see 10 things that you saw in film. So if you can stop a few of those things that you might not have had you not watched the film, then it was definitely worth it because a lot of these games are decided by two, three points. 
Jonah, what does a film room look like in the NBA 2K League? Do you basically stop and start the film and do you have like it all surveyed out on the screen as far as who's doing what, what guys need to do better, where they need to be in position uh, to perform better? How does that sort of look as far as a description of what a film room depicts of? Yeah, Josh, you know what is we, we actually use the same software, the NBA and in, in several basketball leagues use, which is synergy. Um, so they kind of break down the plays into into easier to digest categories. Um, so we're able to look at, you know, literally go back to our last game, look at every possession in the fourth quarter that we didn't score on and see maybe what we could have done differently. And we can cut and edit it in that way. So it's it's really pretty cool. Um and, you know, I would say it is, it is a lot of like, we'll go through a game. We'll have, I'll have points where I'm like, Hey, I, I know that, uh, you know, at this point in the film, that something big happened, you know, I'll, I'll obviously take notes going into the film session and, and guys will uh, a lot of times themselves as well. And, and we'll just sit there for, you know, 30, 45, an hour maybe, and, and go through exactly what went wrong or what we can improve on. You know, the trickiest thing though, Josh is, and I'm sure this is similar in the NBA realm, but, um, you know, there's always something you can do better on pretty much every possession, right? So it's important to not nitpick too much because obviously, you know, we, we, we aim to be perfectionists, but at the end of the day, we're all human. We're going to make one or two small, small mistakes pretty much naturally on, on most possessions. You know, we may be a, a split second off on our roll and because, you know, our roll wasn't quick enough, the, the alley-oop may not have been there. And instead we were supposed to dot the left corner, but the guy in the left corner was, was maybe moving an inch at the time. And so we couldn't throw the pass. And there's just so many things like that, that ultimately, you know, there, there are more important things to focus on. So, um, but I'll say, I'll say it probably looks very similar to, to a normal film session for any basketball team. I, you know, obviously I played basketball in high school for a little while and, and certainly did football and other things. And, um, you know, we, we, it, it reminds me of those film sessions, you know, you sit there, you know, it's more of a, Hey, what were your, what were your thinking here? Uh, what was your thinking here? I, you know, I try to use film as a way to, to get everyone to be, just mainly get on the same page. You know, if everyone understands the other person's thought processes and, and things like that, then, then generally you're going to be able to react uh, more effectively to kind of what your teammates are doing. So it's more about like making sure we're all on the same page and, and understanding exactly where our head is at on this play. That way next time we can all understand where your head is at so we can make the right decisions. Now that each NBA 2K league team's roster is set, uh, who do you each think can be a sleeper team this season? Maybe a team that nobody is really talking about, but can be a, Sneaky good squad. Uh, Pots, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Lakers here. I think they drafted a lot better than teams realize. I think that their point guard and center have good chemistry, and I, I can see them coming out of that, that Western division, uh, however the conferences and divisions may align. How about you, Jonah? Yeah, I definitely don't agree with the Lakers one, but um, I will say the Pacers. I thought if anyone won the draft, um, it was probably the Pacers. They made the decision to draft the best offensive player in the draft at number two. Um, they kept, obviously, Wolf and Jomar, who are elite defensive-minded guys, uh, picked up Lavish Phenom, who's obviously really close with those guys, and and Rando, who I think is a guy who's going to who's gonna score a little bit from the three-point range, and they have Swizzerk as well. They can sub in there too. So I, I really do think it's the Pacers if – assuming we aren't allowed to say us as the answer. Are you hearing anything yet, Jonah, as far as whether the league will be able to resume in-person matches in New York City at their new studio or continue to play remotely like last season? Or is that still all undecided? I know with the pandemic, it's just still right now, we don't really know much moving forward. But 
Uh, have you, you heard anything from the league as far as what they're hoping to accomplish or planning to do? Yeah. So, you know, to be honest, I, I think that it's the, the goal is for there to be a blend moving on as far as online and in-person events. Um, I think the current plan now is to have the turn, the ticket and the playoffs in person. And by that, I mean, not every game of them, but the, the final few games. So if you make, you know, maybe the final eight of the turn, you'd be flown out to New York essentially and, and allowed to play in person. Of course, these guidelines are changing literally daily, as you know, Josh. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, of course, that's the, the biggest hurdle for us is obviously, you know, the vaccination's coming. Hopefully we can get to a place where we can do this all, you know, safely. And, and you know, obviously the priority is the health and, and safety of these, these players ultimately. So, um, but I, I will say that for the start of the season, the first month, at least probably two months, I would say we will be 100% online. And, and this is something we've been t- discussing internally and um, are, are much more prepared for and mentally have wrapped our heads around it much more so than at, than at this time last year. Awesome. Well, that is about all the time we have for this edition of the Magic Gaming Podcast. Once again, we really appreciate your interest and support. Uh, continue to stay tuned to all of our social media channels, the Magic Gaming website, as we get more information about the schedule and all the other details with the upcoming 2021 NBA 2K League season. Thanks again to Jonah and Paz for providing their insight and we'll catch you soon.